Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good evening, children of the night. Step on in from the woods into this cabin. Go ahead and get situated. Oh, you notice a heap of metal out front that used to be a Ford Fiesta? Well, yes, that used to be mine. Recently, due to bad luck, far too good of a Saturday night, or just because of the, shall we say, interesting choices Virginia drivers sometimes make, that car died. However, aside from having a banged-up wrist and shoulder, life will go on, albeit with a bit of pain for a while. The shoulder still is quite painful, so forgive me if I fail to edit out any grunts or groans. We have some fiction for you this evening, and we will then be hearing from our old friend Sylvia Schultz with another edition of Lights Out. Our story will be from two authors from Down Under, Felicity Docker and Alan Baxter, both of which we have heard from in episodes previous. Alan Baxter is a British-Australian author who writes dark fantasy, horror, and sci-fi, rides a motorcycle, and loves his dog. He also teaches Kung Fu. He lives among dairy paddocks on the beautiful south coast of New South Wales, Australia, with his wife, son, dog, and cat. Read extracts from his novels, a novella, and short stories at his website, www.warriorscribe.com, or find him on Twitter, at Alan Baxter, and Facebook, and feel free to tell him what you think about anything. Felicity Docker is a speculative fiction writer from Victoria, Australia. She is predominantly recognized as a writer in the horror genre. In 2009, she won the Ditmar Award, Australian Science Fiction Award, for Best New Talent. Her story, Jesse's Gift, was nominated for the Aurealis Award for Horror Short Story. Docker's stories have appeared in a number of Australian publications, including Borderlands, Aurealis, and Andromeda Spaceways In-Flight magazine. One story in particular, Bread and Circuses, was a recipient of positive reviews after appearing in the Scary Kisses anthology, and was described in Scoop magazine as one of the highlights of the collection. 
Her story, Bread and Circuses, is a finalist for the 2010 Ditmar Award for Short Fiction, as well as a 2010 Australian Shadows Award for Short Fiction. Docker's first story collection, Bread and Circuses, was published in 2012. And now, Alan Baxter and Felicity Docker's Burning, Always Burning. I sat in my shabby office, working hard at my full-time occupation of drinking the memories away. Streetcars rattled outside, a zeppelin droned past, and the dame sashayed in. She had a double espresso, a crooked smile, and a figure to make men weep. Blonde curls exploded like a starburst from under her bowler hat. Her right eye was heavily cold and surrounded with a thick ring of false lashes, while her left was bare. I figured, right off the bat, this broad was going to be trouble. Weren't they all? She slid into the chair on the other side of my desk, her white braces straining over her breasts as she moved, and said, I'm not bad. You have to understand that. What I understood was that her sitting there telling me she was a good girl didn't cut much mustard, given the way she tongued her cigarette and flashed one stockinged leg right up to the garter as she downed her coffee. My heart raced my brain to my mouth, and that was always a one-sided competition. I knew this was a mistake, but it's one I'd made before, and I'll make it again, and again, and again. What is it you're after? I asked. She leant forward, the very embodiment of an intimate secret about to be shared. That all depends on what you can offer. When she spoke, smoke tumbled from her mouth. She was an explosion poured into a tight white shirt. What I can offer, I said, all casual-like, is pretty much anything you need. The real question is, can you afford me? I took a deep breath and tasted expensive perfume. Oh yeah, she could pay, all right. She held my gaze as she reached into the pocket of her short black skirt. Her hand emerged, stuffed with paper bills. She threw them on my desk, affecting carelessness, but I noticed the tremble in her hand before she withdrew it. Question answered, baby face, she said lighting another cigarette off the smouldering butt of the first and settling back in the chair with a rustle of silk. Now, as to what I need... She let the words hang in the air with the curtain of smoke. I stared at the bills on the desk and the little girl in her eyes and knew this was about love. I also knew it was going to involve me taking a liberal interpretation of the law, but that's what I'm here for. If she could have gone to the police, she would have, probably already had, and got laughed out of the station. So she found her way to my unmarked door, all cashed up, with a score that needed settling. And here I sat, waiting for her. Oh, baby face. Always underestimated, always okay with that. I watched the cigarette smoke curl between her wild locks, wishing it was my fingers. I gave her my own crooked smile. I'm Sam, I told her. I know, she said. I'm Esme. I was playing with fire, but I kind of liked to get burned. 
I stood outside the rowdy gin joint, feeling just a little ridiculous. It was the goddamn necklace Esme had insisted I wear tonight, a huge thing dangling with amethysts and peacock and swallow feathers. I couldn't hide it under my shirt, couldn't cover it with my tie. I looked like some kind of confused witch doctor in a baggy suit and fedora. But it smelt like her. And that was something. That girl had got under my skin quicker than a hungry tick. You can't go in there without it, she'd said back in my office, leaning in real close to drape the thing around my neck, allowing me a perfect view of her perfect breasts. You won't come out alive if you do. Or worse, you won't come out you. Her lips had touched my ear as she whispered into it, her tongue flicking the lobe so faintly I could have imagined it. I shivered, remembering. Women. I dropped my cigar onto the rain-slick ground and rapped on the door, three times fast, twice slow, twice fast, just like Esme had told me. A small panel slid open at eye level. I squinted, but couldn't see anything but murk and smoke. God, smoke everywhere, all the time, like this whole filthy city was permanently ablaze. Or maybe it was just me burning. Password, a voice said from within. Dashiell Chandler's Red Harvest is the big sleep, I recited. Esme had made me repeat it over and over back in my office, the words at first nonsensical, then later eerie in some way I couldn't place. I didn't like saying them out loud, here in this dark alley. But Esme could pay, and I needed the money. And I wanted her. I also wanted a drink, but that would have to wait. The panel slammed shut, and the door opened. A woman stepped out, pulled me in, and smiled at me as she shut the door behind us. It was her, Esme, standing right in front of me in that same crazy get-up she'd worn this morning at my office. What do you see? she said, her voice just like Esme's, except it was too eager, too hungry. The necklace I wore felt heavy, a dead albatross around my neck, smelling now not of Esme, but of the grave. A drop of sweat traced its way down my spine. It was cold. My mother, I lied. You don't live this long in my line of work without sharp instincts and quick wits. The woman laughed, shrugged her shoulders, and in the time it took for me to blink, became something else. Not my sexy, troubled dame, just another woman, in a red dress and chunky boots, pocket knife tucked behind her ear, clipboard in her hands. Oedipus was right, she said, and waved me forward. Not as right as Electra, I told her as I passed, enjoying her raised eyebrow and the startled tilt of her head. I doffed my hat, ran my fingers through my short, oiled hair, and stepped through the saloon-like inner gin-joint doors into another world. Ask for Doc Starlight, Esme had told me. Tell him you're on the case for me. He needs to know I'm trying to sort this out. Sort what out? I'd asked, the hairs on the back of my neck, tickling with trepidation. He'll explain, she'd said, smoke pouring over red lips. I dragged a hand across my neck and brushed away the warning I usually listened to. This joint was like so many others, but it had a vibe I couldn't place. Strawberry and sandalwood odours soaked the air, 
twisting with the smoke and grinding jazz core. There were punters like Esme, cold eyes and bowlers, but other styles too, like strutting peacocks with their tails fanned out to the world. So much competition, so little confidence. Something else too, something bad. I went to the bar, ordered a cold beer. I leaned on one elbow and watched the crowd as I drank, trying to get a grip on the place. My unease was like the flavoured smoke, impossible to grasp. Shrugging it off, mentally filing it under be careful, I turned to the barmaid, crooking one finger to attract her attention. She looked annoyed to be bothered. Something wrong with the beer? Only that I'm drinking it alone. I winked as I spoke. She just looked bored. Cold bitch. I let the moment hang until it got uncomfortable, but this icy nut wasn't for cracking. I'm here to see Doc Starlight, I said. The barmaid's eyes lit up at last. What for? she asked. Kind of private. Her momentary interest turned to disdain in an instant. She jerked her thumb towards the back of the joint and walked away. A guy stood at a studded red leather door, his arms like sides of ham crossed over a barrel chest. His dark skin made his eyes hard to see under a serious brow. I approached the door, trying to observe everything at once. There was a distinct lack of exits and bolt holes in the wide open joint. The big dude raised his chin. Doc Starlight in? I asked. For such a big guy, standing tall over me, he managed to keep his chin up and look down at me simultaneously. Intimidating. I was impressed. When he said nothing, I felt like I needed to elaborate. I'm here for Esme, I said, fingering the ridiculous necklace. The door opened without him touching it. Creepy. I squeezed past him into a corridor that was cold and smoke-free, a sudden and disconcerting change. The bouncer's strong cologne tickled my nose for a second, then the door closed with a heavy thud. I paused, something niggling at my mind, until I realised the pounding jazz core outside wasn't just muffled, but silenced. I pressed my ear to the door, but couldn't hear a sound. Twenty yards ahead was another door, a standard wooden thing like you'd find anywhere. One hand still fingering the necklace, the hard, empowering metal of a revolver reassuring under my left arm. I walked to the door and knocked. Nothing happened. As I raised my hand to knock again, it swung silently in. The room beyond swam in red and ochre silk, cushions strewn everywhere. Feathered fetishes and instruments of kinky extravagance adorned the walls, Whips, chains, masks, cuffs. People lounged, semi-naked men and women, smiling at me like they'd just shared a joke at my expense. Perhaps they had. Doc Starlight was obvious, his skin slick with oil, hair a crazy cloud of wiry darkness, eyes shining electric blue. I wondered if that was due to contact lenses or something more arcane. His eyes roamed up and down paused at my crazy necklace, and something like a smile touched his lips. Then he seemed to look closer, deeper, right down to my core, and the smile wavered. Did he see me? So, you're here for Esme? he asked, 
his voice deeper than an ocean trench. A part of me cursed Esme, but another part remembered those curves, and my anxiety was carried away on the memory of perfect cleavage. Screw my nerves. I'm not a naturally fraught person. Some would call me stupid. I prefer heroic. Esme told me to come and tell you she's trying to sort this out. With you? He seemed amused. That irritated the hell out of me. Yeah, with me. So how about we stop all this fucking around and you tell me what I need to do to make Esme's problems go away? Doc Starlight grinned, his teeth altogether too white, too wide. The grin rumbled into a laugh and he tipped his head back, sending his mirth to the heavens. I jumped when he snapped his eyes back to me, locking on to my soul. Can you die for her, Private Eye? he asked, so quietly I almost couldn't hear him. Yes, I said. I didn't know I was going to say it until the word had left my mouth. What do you know? I meant it too. Then we can do business, Doc Starlight said. The others in the room began to silently pour out by some invisible signal until we were alone. Here's what you need to know. When I returned to my sad excuse for an office, Esme seemed almost surprised, but she was grateful and she wanted me to know it. After what Doc Starlight had told me, what he'd said I would do, you know, I figured I'd just about earned all the gratitude she was inclined to give. I didn't want that crazy Doc to be right. Candles burned, cheap grubby tea lights from a dime store, but the thought counted. She'd sprayed her perfume everywhere and it made me feel drunk. A record played, something with a woman singing huskily above a thrumming beat, and after the jazz core at the gin joint, it was like salve to an open wound. All sorted out? she asked, innocence and sultry vamp combined. You could say that, I said, nerves tickling the base of my spine. She narrowed her eyes at me, tipped her head like she was weighing odds, then shrugged. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, she purred, and slipped her braces down each shoulder. She peeled off the tight shirt, stepped out of the little black skirt, and my heart tangoed all the way into my throat. She perched on the edge of the desk, legs apart, one stilettoed heel resting on the arm of the guest chair, the other planted on the threadbare carpet like she was staking a claim. Which, I guess, she was. She wore stockings, garter belt, bowler hat and makeup, and nothing else. Oh, Lordy. Come here, she said, and I obeyed. She took off my ridiculous necklace and laid it reverently on the floor, like it still meant something, like it ever had. Beautiful liar. My fedora she lifted from my head and tossed into a corner. She traced a lacquered fingernail down the lapel of my jacket and looked up at me with those eyes, one aggressive with black coal, the other naked and vulnerable. She flicked one of my buttons and... Taking her hint, I slid off my jacket. Her fingers stroked my cheek, and, for the briefest of moments, her lips brushed mine. Then she lay back on my desk, 
staring at me between the valley of her breasts. Her bowler finally fell from her head, and her curls tumbled free. Come here, she repeated, and once again, I followed orders. That was a sweet moment. The thing about sweet moments is that they end all too soon, and are too easily overpowered by all the bitterness that follows. I've always tried to remember her like that, all warm and soft and spread out on my desk, smiling, but it's futile. I remember the blood and the screaming, and what she became. It had been about love, all right, her coming to me, but not in the way I'd thought. Doc Starlight had walked over to me in that back room of his, flicked the necklace hanging down my chest, and said, Isme give wrapped you for me. She always does. I looked at him crooked, and he said, But she fucked up. She killed my favorite lover boy. Did you know that, Sam? She thinks gifts will work on me now. So desperate to escape my wrath, she can't see what's right before her eyes. But I can, Sam. My tastes are quite particular. You're not my type. She killed your lover boy? I asked him, and he laughed that deep rumble again. This isn't something she can make right. Not something that can be atoned for. She doesn't understand love, you see, except as a lure. And as for you, this all started because she paid well, yes? That made me angry, and I snarled at him. It's more than that! And still he laughed. Sure it is now. That's her magic. But she paid well. You know, I can pay better. You're in a unique position to tie up this loose end for me. But you have to see her true form to do it. And show her yours. I clenched my fist so I didn't crack him across the jaw. Unabashed, he rummaged in a drawer and handed me a small, strange dagger. It sparkled with arcane light. You'll need this, he told me, and explained things I refused to believe. Then... There is my lay, so beautiful, so desirable. I ground my teeth, still refusing to believe. Can you die for her, private eye? I crawled up on the desk, letting my fingers trace her soft thigh, the shallow valley inside her hip, her smooth stomach and the curve of her breast. I leaned forward, dusting kisses across her hard nipples, as my heart pounded against my ribs so powerfully, I thought my chest would split open. The weight of the dagger in my back pocket dragged at my soul. She gasped, shuddered. She lifted her head and buried her lips in the crook of my neck, and I lifted my chin to let her in. Can you die for her, Sam? I felt her form shift underneath me, and I cursed Doc Starlight aloud as her teeth split the skin at my throat and my blood spilled over her lips. I cursed him for being right, and Esme for being what she was, and myself for falling for all this bullshit. But then, she had fallen for my bullshit too. Esme gasped again and drew back from me, her face harsh and angular, eyes narrow, black and deep. Her body... Serpent coils from the waist down curled around me. Lamia, Doc Starlight had said. Monster would have done just fine for the thing that was trying to kill me.
What the fuck are you? She hissed and ripped my shirt from my body. She stared at my breasts, small but unmistakably feminine, and the realization swirled in her obsidian eyes. I remembered my mother's words. You have to decide on one or the other. And I'd screamed, Why? Esme's hand, wizened and sharply taloned, swept up to take out my throat. I thrust one hand out to stop her as my other drew the dagger from my pocket and slammed it down into her cold, shriveled heart. No! She screamed, but I couldn't hear her over my own sobs of anguish. I could barely see her through my tears. That's the problem with people underestimating me. Everyone suffers. I felt the magic flood through the dagger, just like Doc Starlight had said it would. Your own life will power this to end hers. Be careful you don't give your true self away before you get the chance to kill her. Esme wailed as her skin blackened and stretched taut. Fire burst from her throat and her eyes melted from the inside and trickled down her cheeks. With a furnace burst of heat, she exploded beneath me in a shower of ash, and I fell to the burned desk, empty and drained, and wept. It was a long time before I finally pulled myself up and dusted myself off. I was still reluctant to accept what had happened, but the scorch marks on me and my cheap furniture told the truth of the tale. Well, like I said, I kind of like to get burnt. Here's the thing about fire, though. It spreads. Often, it consumes the one who ignited it in the first place. Esme had set me to burn, but she was just a lick of flame, blown my way by an ill wind. She was what she was, and I doubt she ever had much choice in that. Like me, in a way. Doc Starlight, though, he was something else. He was the one who lit the match. He played us both like a couple of pawns, and he was the only one who got what he wanted out of the whole sorry game. Revenge. Well, that has a way of coming back on people. I'd get my own revenge. For me, for Esme, for all of us monsters. I'd reduce Doc Starlight's empire between worlds to ashes, spit in them, and call it a good day's work. And if I failed? If instead it was me who went up in flames? Well, what the hell? I was already burning. Always burning. That was Felicity Docker and Alan Baxter's Burning, Always Burning, as read to us by another old friend, Dan Raybarts. In 2014, Dan received the Sir Julius Vogel Award for the Best New Talent. Baby Teeth, Bite-Sized Tales of Terror, the horror anthology, was co-edited with Lee Murray, also won the SJV for Best Collected Work, and the Australian Shadows Award for Best Edited Work. His short stories have appeared in venues such as Beneath Ceaseless Skies, Orealis Magazine, Andromeda Spaceways In-Flight Magazine, and on the Parsec Award-winning steampunk podcast Tales from the Archives, among many others. And now, Sylvia Schultz spends a bit of time outdoors with Mr. Troy Taylor, the paranormal author. Link to both of their websites will be found in the show notes. Hello, 
Sylvia Schultz here, your host for Lights Out. Thanks for joining me for the show. I adored true ghost stories when I was a kid. I devoured every book I could. Anything that had the word weird or mysterious or haunted in the title was fair game. So to grow up and become a writer of true ghost stories myself is a childhood dream come true. If you had told eight-year-old me that I would grow up to write my own ghost story books, I probably wouldn't have believed you. And if you had further told me, at that age, that I would spend a future birthday sitting around a campfire, snarfing down s'mores and trading Jaeger shots with Troy Taylor, I think my head would have exploded. But that is exactly what happened. On my birthday one summer evening, I spent the evening exploring a haunted music house and a pioneer cemetery, then roasted hot dogs over a campfire with Troy and a bunch of other ghost hunters. Pull up a camp chair, shove a marshmallow onto the end of a stick, and let's go. Lights out. Our investigation started at the Great River Road Opry House. This building is actually a repurposed airplane hangar, moved from Scott Air Force Base after World War II. The Music House hosted many popular country artists in its time. My six graders. <laughs> okay. Please, please, please. Okay. I have no stickers with me, so. Okay. Ah. <laughs> okay, anyway, we call this the Great River Road Opry House because that's what it was called last. Connie, how long has it been closed? Um, it's been closed about seven years. Probably. Seven years? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that seems about right. So, when you do go inside, you'll notice that it's just a skeleton of a building. It's starting to come down, which breaks my heart, but I'm glad that we have this time here to, there's a lot more here than I thought there was, so um, it's at your own risk, if you feel like it's not safe, get out of that area, that's up to you, but anyway um, we call it the Great River Road Opry House, because that's what it was last, and you'll see when you get in there, the stage is still there isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you'll see where the performers were, Connie, tell us some of the people who performed here Um, um, John Conley was here um David Frizzell was here, and what's the other guy's name? Gene Watson. So, unless you know country music, you probably yeah. Yeah, I don't know any of those men, me neither. <laughs> so, that's why I asked Connie to tell but you. They were, but they were big-name entertainers years back. So. so, then, there was quite a time lapse there where it sat empty before it became the Opry House. But before that, it was a seed company. Um, so they were bringing in the seeds, drying them, big conve- conveyor belt that went the whole length of the building. When you get up there, you'll see the whole length of the building. That's an impressive amount of space. Um, I'm not sure how long it was be coming. Do you know? Through the, I guess, the 60s, that I know. Before that, I'm not sure. I don't know how long there was a gap either. there. But then before that, it was actually an airplane hangar during World War II. It was actually like an extension of Scott Air Force Base uh, down here. So, so they moved it here. From Scott Air Force Base. So it wasn't part it of it? It wasn't part of it. They it was, like it was or at, something? no, it was at Scott Air Force Base and they moved it here for the sea company. Oh, okay. They dismantled it and put it all together. Yeah, they took mm. it into pieces and oh. moved it here. And they sold I off. That story I, from another uh, yeah, no, investigator. Yeah, that you know no, who I'm talking yeah, about. No, so. they sold it. It was sold <laughs> a surplus after the war because they didn't need near as many hangars, gotcha. obviously, when the war was over. So they were selling off a lot of the buildings as surplus, and the owners of the people who were going to start the seed company bought this 
sometime in the late 40s, that's the only thing I've been able to find. And they bought it, and it was dismantled and moved here, and how long it was before they got it open, I don't know. But I know that it was a seed company during the 60s, I and it may it have been before that. It may have been the 50s, too, late I 40s and 50s. I just don't can't say for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that it was. I just know it was sold as surplus after the war. That, that much I do know. Uh, we do know there are deaths, that, at least one death, that did take place within the walls of the Opry House. Um, I don't know, do you guys want me to tell you ghost stories or not? Please, yes. Okay. Well, Connie, you can help me out on this because you've been here just more than I have. Um, there was an individual that hanged himself. Um, in a in a spot in there, and maybe I won't tell you that there part. There you go. Don't tell him where it of was. it. Um, <laughs> but yes, he did end his life by choice in, within those walls. Um, other than that, nothing documented that we know. I believe that there are several entities up there, most of them friendly. So you can go <laughs> go into it with that. <laughs> yeah, most of them friendly. Um, some of the grand experiences that I've had here, probably my favorite one, we were sitting on the stage one night having an EVP session. Everyone that was in our hunt was on the stage at the time, and we were asking questions, you know, are you here a part, were you a part of the, you know, army, or were you part of the seed corn, you know, are you here from the Opry, and out of nowhere, we hear the door the front door that we'll probably enter through when we go, well, I think you can walk through the wall yeah, now. Said, okay. Yeah, you just go Anyway, you'll see it when you go in there. There's a ticket booth near a door, so you'll know that's what I'm talking about. And there's a wooden plank that's on a slope, so it was handicap accessible. Um, we heard that door uh, close itself. And soon after, we heard very heavy boot steps, very clear, coming down that wooden walkway. Um... I actually have the recording of that, and it's incredible. And now I've heard now tonight that that's happened another time, so that's something that's very possible. It's a very active area. Mm. Um, we haven't seen anything in that area while that's happened, but keep your listening ears open. Did you hear that, like, with your own ears? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. That We heard loud and clear, loud and clear. We actually, that night, had two people who were visiting from Ohio, and they decided to get in their car and leave at that point. They drove all the way back yeah. to Ohio. They were done. They were done. Jeez, um, why? I know. I don't know. It was a man and woman, and that woman flipped her you-know-what. So she was done. Um, a lot of times we see back in the kitchen area some shadow figures. I have no explanation for that, but that's something to be looking for back in that area. Will you be able to tell it's a kitchen anymore? Maybe um, I'll just point that area out? Yeah, it's got stuff in it, but you can, I mean, you can tell it's a, it was a kitchen. Um, it's an area. It's, it's, a, an area. it's a room it's, of this very vast space. It was a really cool building at one time. <laughs> it really was. Um, let's see, I was just going to say something else and I lost it. <laughs> oh! The last couple times that I've been coming here, and I know you've had this from the first time you've been coming here, uh, if any of you have recorders, it's a great thing to have. We've gotten great EVPs here also, but also disembodied voices that seem like they're right behind you. Um, the ones that I've heard have been female. I know you've heard female. Has it always been female that, for you? Yeah, that I've heard. With my that own I've ears. heard with mm -hmm. my own ears, it's been female. So 
you know, having your wits around you, know who's around you because you hear something right over your shoulder, you could experience that same thing. You want to tell them about yeah, your music yeah, and stuff? Yeah, we had, um, the last time we came last fall, we thought it was going to be the last time. So we had come out, I came out with Lisa and Connie, you were here. Yeah, yeah. And we came out and I said, and things were pretty quiet, I think, early on. And it was. Everybody was kind of sitting around on the stage, and we were sitting around just in the front part of the area. And a lot of people had, like, meters and, and K2 meters and things with them. And we were just kind of sitting there, and not much was going on. And I said to Lisa, I said, well, what if we, like, try to play some music that might appeal to, you know, whoever came here when it was an opera? Yeah. So I took the, uh, I went, I got the Spotify working on my phone. And um, I went and found, um, uh, oh, God, what's that guy's name? Uh, the Texas Playboys. What was this? George Wills? No. Tex Wills. I don't know. Tex Ritter? No, no, no. Somebody Wills. Bob Wills. Bob Wills. Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. <laughs> I, I don't listen to a lot of stuff, obviously. <laughs> so um, so I went and I found him on my phone, and we, we listened to it for a while, but my, and my ears started to bleed. From the oh. horrible music. Um, <laughs> so, I, so I said, I said, okay, I, I can't. Nothing's happening. I can't take this anymore. Let's <laughs> let's switch it to Patsy Cline because well, that I can hear. There you go. And so I went to try to switch it, but if anybody's using their phone, they may have noticed that service can be a tad bit sporadic <laughs> out here. And I couldn't get it to work. I even went outside the building and tried to get tried to get the the it's a link up, and I couldn't do it. So I said, so I came back in, I just put my phone in my pocket, and I said, I'm sorry, guys, I can't get, I can't get this to work, and, you know, it was no big deal, and so we were sitting in there, and it was quiet, and I was just kind of standing there, and all of a sudden, my pants started singing crazy, um, <laughs> somehow it linked up, and so it started to play, but the weird thing was, is that once the music started to play, literally, every single meter in the entire room lit up oh, wow. uh, all at the same time oh my God. every one of them and stayed through the entire song oh, they yeah. were going green red yellow oh, i mean flashing oh, everything through until the song was over and then it stopped and that was it and it didn't do it again yeah. that was it and that so was weird that might be something that we want to try later on tonight maybe playing some music i know we've had connie she has a beautiful voice she sang before and we've had some good activity with that my friend krista also tried it before and i don't know if it's just women maybe that's the thing but or hannah, or hannah has a beautiful voice too yeah. <laughs> we have wonderful talent with us tonight but if we're going to try that i do suggest that we are all aware maybe all in the same spot when that's <laughs> happening <laughs> because like i said that you know whisper over your shoulder if someone's got their phone going on the other you know we need to be aware of that kind of thing so we can do that as a group if that's something we want to try tonight so um, did anyone bring any equipment or anything awesome? Yes, good, good. Okay. We've got some, too. We've got some, um, and I'm willing to share as long as it comes back. Uh, and some new stuff we haven't tried here before, so yeah, we can give it a shot. a shot. But um, what's that? What new stuff? Recently, we've gotten the rim pod I got for graduation. <laughs> um, so we can try that maybe back where we kept... We always see the shadowy yeah, things yeah. going on. 
Uh, we have a spirit box that we hardly know how to use yet, but we might try that. Cool. And yeah, an Ovulus like 3. Sweet. Excellent. I'd love to take a spirit box up to the cemetery when we go. Glad you yeah. brought up the cemetery. Um, on these it grounds, should be optional. It is optional. optional that's a, um, that's a real that's hike. A hike. There yeah. is, on the grounds, on the bluff, there is a cemetery up there. And Sylvia can be our go-to on how to get there. But it is a trek, and again, it's at your own risk if you want to go yeah. up there. Also, there are <laughs> Indian burial hike. mounds. Um, but those are pretty much inaccessible. Especially in the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. but they, they are there. Now, I don't want to discount anything out in these areas also. Actually, where we are right now, there's been several um, stories, I guess, given of small girl, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know the story about what happened. I don't know if it has something to do with the road or the land or the building, but there have been several accounts of a small girl that wanders around here and um, outside of the opry also we've had great pictures um, those disembodied voices so don't just focus your energy just on the inside i always end up doing it i promise myself tonight i'll go outside because i just haven't um, so i guess our only rules are be aware of the people around you and if you leave let somebody know so we don't think you and our arms will be very careful yeah. in the building because there is a lot of clutter yeah. boards. Yeah, be very careful and in the building. to the back of the building, not the one close, farthest away from us, there is a couple of big pits. Yes. Um, yeah, so large make sure pits. you have your flashlight. Yeah, make sure you take Don't flashlight. go anywhere without your flashlight because you might find the ground is no longer underneath you. I'm always in the pits. <laughs> if anyone's going down, it's her. Yeah, well, it's me. So you stay away from when the we, A little bit later when we do decide to make a trek to the graveyard, we'll do it as a group. Yes. We're not going to do it individually. It'll yeah. be, we'll wait in an hour or so, maybe we'll just, anybody well, who wants to go. Well, is anyone interested in making well, that right. hike? right. I guess yep. I should ask who yeah. wants to go. Okay. Okay, so, so we'll organize that for you, and I'll make yeah. sure everyone's aware in case you've okay. changed your mind. And we'll make that hike if you want. Yeah. And I can tell yeah, you, we won't leave you behind. The cemetery is pretty active. <laughs> the cemetery yeah. is very active. Yeah. So, actually, it was just disturbed. There was is there a, like any kind of yeah, that, that oh yes, they might be really Again? sore. Any kind of timeline that we're on, or just as long as we're getting hit, we can. Yeah, stay really. For any of us who are staying. You know, I mean, anybody who's not camping here can they go whenever they like. I mean, they're welcome to you stay. You camp out inside the building. I guess. Right. Anybody who wants to stay, obviously. I mean, we got our tent set up. So you're welcome to do it as late as you want when you're done. I mean, we really won't be out here making a lot of noise around the tent. So when you're finished, you can sack out. Just let us know. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just let, let us know that, somebody know that, that, you, you, that you are leaving and who's leaving yeah. with you, so yeah. we aren't out here looking yeah, for you. Yeah, even if it's just to go back to the tent, let us know. So. All of us are walking around in the building. There are about, oh, two dozen of us exploring the building right now. It's a big, big open space. The ceiling is just in tatters. There's a lot of debris on the floor. And you can tell where the ceiling has fallen in and left rubble on the floor. I'm about halfway down the building. There's a small ticket booth here. There's an old horse collar sitting on the ticket booth, just abandoned. 
And on the floor next to the ticket booth, in the rubble on the floor, there's a guitar sitting here, unstrung, just leaned up against the wall. A couple of broken records on the floor. The Opry House closed years ago and has slowly been falling apart ever since. The cavernous building is slated for demolition, but for now it stands in the middle of a field, the ghostly strains of country music still echoing in its memory. I'm going to get the laser grid set up back there now. That's what Debbie's, is Debbie putting hers up? I yeah. don't know. It's a laser grid. Debbie, is that you with your grid? If you see it's, it, I it, think it's something Lisa passes yeah. in front of those lights. Move in front of it. Yeah, if, okay, if we, a shadow person walks through. We did see a lot of that the last time we were here. Really? We got it set up over here because this was all wide open. And all this junk was in here. Oh. But we could see, like, figures coming back from the back part of that. Wow. Just it makes it a lot easier to shat see shadow people. Oh my! Down all the way down. Everybody picks on Donna. <laughs> oh, okay. Now you're going to talk. Well, we're going to go down to the other end of the building. Would you like to come with us? You want to come with us? Well, I think she turned hers on down there. I don't want to have two of them down there. Right. Well, we'll go over and talk with that one, okay? Just follow us down there, and we'll be able to communicate. Pod turned on, so if anything walks near it, it touches it, it'll light up. Oh, amazing. Yeah. It is pretty, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> I turned around and saw it, and I thought I'd have run in there with the ghost here from the way. Oh, there's I noticed I just sat down much like a cat. <laughs> Okay, we're standing looking at the laser grid, which is just lighting up the entire back part of the building. And it looks just like a field full of stars. And we are going to see if any sort of shadow people walk through and disturb the grid. Donna, turn that off. Blinding you. Sorry. Oh, no. What's what is that? What's going on up there? Where's up there? there? I see that. Yeah, where she's taking pictures. Oh, well, there's a. There's, oh, it's okay. Tarp. Oh, and so it's I see. Oh. It's, okay. it's moving. Okay. But that kind of gives. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You an idea of what we're looking for in the grid. Exactly, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard that. That's a oh, shotgun. <laughs> There's a moth or something I flying around that. in grid. <laughs> Did the meter on the floor just do something? I honestly I wasn't watching it. Is that what that is up there with the orange? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the REM pod. Oh. And so it's a, it's a small cylinder and okay. it has four different colored lights on the top. And the surface of the top is also uh, glow in the dark, so you don't step on it. And then there's like a antenna that comes off that, and Barry says that when a spirit or anybody, if I walked up to it, it would do the same thing and broke that that field around it. It mm-hmm. will start to set off the lights. The more powerful the field or presence, the more lights you're going to have. Have you used it before? Yes. With much success, actually. Oh. I've not used it here, so I was excited to try it tonight. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one of those, I don't think. Is anyone running digital recorder? Yes. Okay. Well, we can... Try to do a session. Sure. I mean, we have some background noise. That's what I'm afraid of. There's a lot of talking. When this was the Opry, right here to my right, through that door was the kitchen, and then right out here, you can't tell, but there was a room right here that they used as a dining area for the guests. 
and we've had a lot of activity just here closest to me, not way back. Uh, what well, we've got back there then. then. What's that? Well, yeah, what's beyond back. that false when, wall? Well, when it was the Opry, it was storage mm. back there. I mean, the, the amount of stuff you see in the right. middle, that's the amount of stuff that was on both sides back there. So we had had activity back there. I don't have any personal experiences right. all, all the way back there. But here in this dining area, we've had a lot of activity. Um, not the last time I was here, but the time before, there was a... Uh, I mean, there were so many random things in this building because they were using it for storage. But there was a pool ball, like a nine ball or something, that was in the, in this vicinity. And um, it rolled itself across the floor without any... Oh, that's oh, wow. Wow. oh that would be awesome. None of us touched it, but all of us saw it. Oh. Mm. Wow. Uh, we've always had a lot of good K2 luck back here, EMF left, and when this was kind of closed off, it was kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but your eye always found itself going this direction because mm. it was that darker than dark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, looking for that movement in the dark, you always felt it. Yeah. <laughs> I had that experience once, we were setting up at... Um, a bar, a restaurant bar. And I, I helped set up, but I didn't stay for the investigation. Mm-hmm. But as I was helping set up, we were standing at the end of a hallway in the kitchen, and my eye oh, kept getting, my eye kept getting drawn to a certain the, the left side of that hallway, and I couldn't figure out why. Mm-hmm. And then later on during the investigation, they sent me. After the investigation, they sent me a photograph that they had taken with a thermal camera, Uh and there's a figure on the left side of the hallway. Have you guys ever done anything in Missouri? Do you guys do most of your stuff in Illinois? I do most of my work in Illinois, but they have been expanding quite a bit into Missouri through another employee of ours, Ginger. Mm -hmm. Um, She was there today, had red hair. Oh, ironically, yeah, <laughs> and um, she is she is located in St. Louis, and so a lot really? of the work that she's doing with overnights is starting to spread that direction. Mm-hmm. I've gone to the Tri County Truck Stop a couple times. It's out Highway 44. It's out west of St. Louis, mm-hmm. but um, there was a. Uh, Two times when we were there, that a little toy soccer ball, you know, like you get out of a gumball machine, uh-huh. was thrown at me. Oh, oh my And we wanted to figure out, well, once in the basement when we said, show us that you're here, and I walked, I could feel it whiz by me. And I was like, well, what was that? It was in the dark. And I looked, and I'm like, what is this? And so, you know, we do different floors that we split up, and the group does the top and middle and everything. And we did the middle part, and we were walking in the restaurant part, and over by the stairs, when I was walking towards it, another soccer ball came from, like, upstairs down. And <laughs> oh, I Debbie was wrestling. It, and they found... Like, the diamonds was like a truck stop where families would stop and eat when they were traveling on uh, Highway 66. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a little soccer board 
like you would have bought this for your kids to play with. Mm -hmm. They found it in a closet somewhere. Wow. And there's two little soccer balls. So you could, like, you know, if your kids would, be, you know, play with them, but that's what we, we found. That's what they were found. Mm. I mean, we left them there. I liked when we were there last time and we saw that light run across the floor. Yes, yeah. That was pretty cool. It was, it's been a very yeah, active place. Cool. And she's gotten a lot of, um, I got an Tell me what it's called again. Tri County Truck Stop. It was the old Diamonds Hotel. Stop of 44 and Villa Ridge. Okay. Uh, Paranormal Task Force does all their stuff there. Uh, mm -hmm. PTSD, you ever hear of them? Uh huh. Mm -hmm. okay. I got a little girl there. You can use a little girl. She's seven. You did just now? At the truck stop. Oh. <laughs> no, I won't hear any of my people. Debbie will call us for days afterwards and say, I found this picture. Look at this. I found this picture. <laughs> and she'll send it to us and we'll try to listen to it and tell her what we heard. And uh -huh. people at work are like, What are you doing? Like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I always like to hear everybody's opinion on it. One of the best places was uh, the Morse Mill Hotel, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. we took our camper there once and camped down in the field. That's one of my favorite And she, while we were setting up the camper, she was just taking pictures out there. I was my camera. Mm -hmm. And you can see a little girl watching us. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, wow. She's not a little girl. She's a woman, and she's wearing the old-time oh, wow. dresses, you know, and her hair up in a bun. Mm -hmm. She came right down. Like, where we parked at was not even, like, next to the house. We're, like, down the road off to the side. Right. Like she came here. all the way down. Mm -hmm. wow. And I didn't even see her until I got back home and was, oh. you know, looking at her. And she's mm -hmm. totally there. It's really, really cool. But then I turned around right, and I took a picture yeah. of the house. From that same spot. Mm -hmm. going crazy. When you zoom in, oh, yeah? man, there's nobody in the house yet. We were even there before. Our yeah, okay. Guys, we're getting yeah, K2 hits. Anybody else on their meters? Oh my god. Yeah. Anybody like the meters? Is anybody getting K2 hits right now? Now it stopped again. I think we should try to do something quietly. And, like, okay. Maybe everybody join in if you're. Yeah. Tell them what we're going to do. Bob, is that you? Does anyone here want to talk to us tonight? It's Lisa. I'm back again. I'm your favorite, right? Ah, I do got a kiss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thanks. Can you do that again? Did you get? Thank you. Yeah. All the way up to three. Well, you're gonna make me fool of myself here. Bob, is it you? Can you make it light up? Ooh, I only had a red that time. Nice to talk to you again, Bob.
Hi, Bob. We're really glad to be here. We're glad you came and talked to us. Bob, I'd like to know how you feel about what's going on here at the Old Opry. Do you, are you upset that it's being torn down? Nothing. Are you happy that it's being torn down so nobody gets hurt? Are you glad we're back tonight? I brought some new stuff with me tonight. Sitting right out there in front of me, there's a little box. If you walk by it, it'll light up just like what's in Hannah's hand over here. Am I talking to somebody besides Bob? Can you light it up for us? Would you like to tell us your name? Show us if you're here with us still. You can give us a sign. You can knock on something nearby. You can touch one of us. You can light up one of these lights in any of these people's hands. Let us know you're here. And my favorite, go over there and stomp on that wood by the door. Hannah, did you just whisper something? No, I did not. I didn't say anything. Hmm. I heard an indistinct whisper down on the floor to my really? left. Really? I didn't hear a thing. That might have been me Oh, okay. There's a car going by for all your reporters. I've come to see you lots of times and I, I believe you're still here more than one of you
Do you mind that we've come to visit again? Do you like having people come visit you? No, it's okay. I was just making sure. I was having a bug <laughs> issue. Better now. Oh, but I'm still touching it. Sorry. That's why I'm just making sure. Yeah. I didn't realize because I'm watching the meter. <laughs> Sorry. Did you hang yourself right here in this building? Did you end your life? You are so much right where I'm sitting. Yeah, that's why I'm going for it. Do you know the person that did that? Nothing on the meter. Quiet now. I heard a knocking coming over near that scaffold, but <laughs> who I knows? Didn't hear a thing. Could just could have been nature. <laughs> it's hard to say, you know, if it's not nearby, it's hard to say. Maybe you see all these little lights that we have shining. You don't have to be afraid of them. They're pretty fun. If you walk through them, it kind of looks like you're at a disco. <laughs> but it'll help us see you. So if you're willing, just walk right on out there and we'll be able to hopefully see you. Wouldn't you like to go for a walk in the starlight? People moving around behind us. Someone that was my tummy growling. <laughs> that was me, sorry. I guess one hot dog was a, wasn't enough. I should have had a s'more, that's what I'm saying. I kind of forgot about the s'more and then I'm going to need that s'more. You okay? I think so. I thought you'd jump. Did you? What? Did you jump? What? Yeah, I'm going to have the expert make me a s'more. Is that me? Yeah. Somebody was saying you were the expert s'more maker. No, I think somebody said that. <laughs> She's the expert s'more eater. Oh, that, maybe I that was it. say is a fact. <laughs> <sighs> 
You're losing your audience here. Is that what you're looking for? Always leaving wanting more. Is that the uh, old show business adage? Mm -hmm. Well, we want more. You have a captive audience. Of course, we are standing with our backs to the stage. That's what I was going to ask. Have you had more activity back here than you have facing no. the other way? I've had a lot more activity the other way. So should we turn ourselves around? If everyone would like to do that, I would love to do that. All right. Let's watch a show. You do that, and I'll go get the meter thing in the, on the floor out there. An orange fingernail moon set as we explored the abandoned building. The night was moonless and black by the time a handful of us hiked up the trail to the Pioneer Cemetery. We walked a couple of miles, much of it uphill, to the fork in the trail that Del Doughty had shown me earlier that afternoon in the daylight. And for those of you keeping score at home, yes, that means that I walked that four-mile round trip twice that day. Happy birthday to me. Some of Dell's ancestors are buried way up on that mountain, tucked away in the overgrown woods. I saw only about a dozen headstones when we bushwhacked through the clinging weeds that afternoon, and in the black of night, we couldn't see any stones from the safety of the trail. But Dell assured me that around 90 folks are buried in those deep, dark woods. Is that you breaking that stick? If it was, can you do it again? Thank you. Thank you very much. Can you tell us your name? Thank you for joining us. You're very close. You're very close. Thank you so much for coming to talk with us. I have total chills. You're a man. How old are you? What did you die from? Where's me shifting? We'd like to help you. Do you have any kind of message that maybe you want to tell?
He's gone. You don't have to leave. Come back and talk to us, please. We walked a long way to talk to you. And if somebody else wants to come and chat with us, that's fine. Not by me anymore, and that's okay. But can you let us know if you're still here by breaking another stick or making another noise? Please don't whisper. Would one of the ladies like to come and talk with us just for a little while? Or one of the children? <coughs> I have a couple of dogs at home. Do you like dogs? Did you maybe have a favorite horse? Can you tell me your horse's name? Well, what do you think, guys? I think we took a long walk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Me too. But I want to thank you to whoever that was that came up. I appreciate the visit. Thank you very much for visiting with us, and thank you for allowing us to be here for a while with you. Is there anything else you'd like to say? <coughs> you can say anything you want to to us.
The odd thing about this part of the evening was this. During that EVP session, Debbie's recorder kept shutting itself off. Mine stayed running, but hers just inexplicably stopped several times during our taping. We managed to find our way back down the trail to the field where we were camping. We joined everyone at the fire, and the talk naturally turned to ghost stories. Because we can't do oh. it because it's too far to walk. Right. I have a story about the cemetery in Alton. Which is okay. The old city cemetery? The one no. where um, Lovejoy's yeah, buried. That's the city cemetery. Yeah, the ce- yeah, city cemetery. So, I was there with, with my friends. And uh, we had been to the uh, M- M- uh, McPike Mansion. Saturday yeah. night. Oh, you get Lauren going over there. And that was a bunch of fun. Talk to him about children in the corn, you know, all the cornfields. He'd have to go by. <laughs> get him all worked up. So on Sunday, before we drove home, we went to visit the, uh, the, sem- the, ooh, thank you. <laughs> every time she does it every time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it lubricates the story. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Is that the only word you can think of? It's true. Maybe it's because I use the doctor. Yeah, there are a lot of advertisements in there. Maybe to go home? So we did go to see the the Confederate Cemetery, and then we went to see the city cemetery before we drove home. So we, we went to the whispering thing and whatever, and that was cool. And then all five of us split up and went in different directions. And I was walking down the street. It is. It's gorgeous. So it's huge. What's the one that Philip Mercer's in? And so it has a big okay. statue of that's, Elijah. Well, that's, the, that's the same cemetery. I've yeah. been all cemetery. through there. Okay, okay. 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 So I'm walking down the road, and I see I, something kind of draws me down, and, and there's there's an open, empty crypt just off the yeah. road. Yeah, they're right behind the... It built into the side of the hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a whole bunch of them back there. So I thought that was so cool, and I called everybody together. I'm like, hey, you guys got to see this. There's an open crypt here. This is really awesome. I know where the story's going. <laughs> are, you, are you sure? I bet I do. Okay. So we went we went there and, and you know, poked around and, and, and peeked in and everything. There was a bunch of uh, rubble on the floor and an empty drink container, too. And you could see the, the, there were stone shelves on the back of the tomb there where the, the coffins you were. Are eat that or are you trying to smoke it? <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to eat it now. <laughs> <laughs> so we took a bunch of photos in front of the, the, the uh, tomb and everything, and I still have mine just because I thought it was cool. And then we were about to leave. And it had been bugging me ever since I saw it, and I I wanted to go in and and pick up the litter that was inside the crypt. (laughs) We might do the same. 
so on the streets of Chicago. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's like litter. cleaning up garbage. I'm like, is that your Starbucks cup? And she's like, no, but someone left it here. I'm like, oh my God, we're in Chicago. There's garbage everywhere. I have my arms were full yeah. collecting wow. See, I'm not, garbage. I'm not that yeah, bad. I find the garbage bad. can pretty close. But, you know, garbage in the cemetery just really yeah. bothers oh, me. Oh, yeah. So walk up to the lintel and I stop right at the lintel of the tomb, of the, the crypt. And I, I just can't go any farther. It's not like oh. anything was pushing back at me. I didn't really feel anything. I just felt completely disinclined to take another step. I backed up. And I tried it again. Just at the threshold. I just couldn't go any farther. So I took a step back and I said, hey guys, keep an eye out. There's something weird going on. I took one more step back and I kind of addressed the empty <laughs> air. I said, look, there is some trash in the bottom of your crypt here. I think it's disrespectful. I would like to take it out for you and throw it away properly. May I come in, please? That's all I'm going to do. Pick it up, then I'm going to leave. May I come in? Walked right through. Lean down, picked it up, walked out. Weird. You know, I, I, <laughs> I didn't think so. Yeah, people like that. live in those. Oh! Yeah, and I, there one time I was down there with an ex-girlfriend of mine, and we walked in, and someone was in there sleeping. Oh, shit. And she walked into the crypt, and the guy was like, and I woke up, and, and she'd like sweat herself. I've only experienced it ever once, and it's, I told you about it because you were there. We were at the First Unitarian Church in Alton, and um, I had I had gone downstairs. No, it was when I was going downstairs. We had customers downstairs, and I was just going to mingle and see what was going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was walking down the stairs, and I had this feeling like I can't go any further because it's like there's people on the stairs you know like you know oh, that yeah. feeling that you have to kind of get over the side because you're sharing that space uh-huh. I've never experienced that ever before that time and then a second time because I came back up I didn't experience anything after I had gone down and checked on the people who were down there I came back up felt funny and I told you about it and whoever else was standing with you and I said that was really weird and I am not a sensitive by any means Mm. but I had that feeling and I said you know just for me I need to go back and try that again and see if I get that same feeling Mm -hmm. and I got down about three or four steps and it was an an immediate halt and I came right back up and I said nope didn't work I can't get down the stairs oh my we went back later though because then it was like an open people were just investigating wherever they felt like going when I was down there I got my shirt pulled on two times on my jacket Troy and I kind of focused on the stairs since I had had that experience and it was completely open I never felt that again and that's when we had gotten the ovulus and we were going to try it out. And it kept telling us pie. P-I-E-I-E pie. I mean, it said it eight or nine times to the point that we're starving for pie. Isn't there a shop in Alton that has like the most awesome pie? That's the one. 
You know what? Well, I've had that happen that to place, me. I've had that happen to me one time. Yeah. And it was in the bedroom of the house in Belnor where the exorcism started. And so you talked about that in Bloomington at the at the that Bar- Noble to in Bloomington. Me, um, that's the only time that's ever happened. Well, I, I did I did flee the Bell Witch Cave in 1997. Really? I was spending. Yeah, I was not in seventh grade. Um, I was supposed to be spending the night there, and um, I lasted like maybe not even an hour. Wow. Really? But I've been there. I've been there 50 times since then, and um, I've never had that same kind of feeling again. Huh. But that one night was really weird. But this, the exorcism house, the fir- it was the first time I'd ever been there. I'd been, I'd seen the house, but I'd never been inside. Mm. And um, I had gone there to do um, Dave Glover's radio show. He's oh, a yeah. guy in St. Louis, and every Halloween he would do a thing. And I'd done a couple of them with him. And mm-hmm. David called me and said, "Hey," and by that time I had moved out of Alton. I was. <laughs> Was I in I Chicago? I, I think I was in Chicago. And mm. Dave called me and he said, listen, I know you're not even close, but I, I'd done his show so many times talking about the exorcism case, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, listen, he said, I know that you don't live down here anymore. He said, but we are doing the exorcist house in Belmore for Halloween. And I, I know you'd probably like to go in there. And he said, I'd really like you to come. And so <laughs> I... I said, mm, yeah, I'll be there. So I went down for it, and I drove down from Chicago, and um, we um, we got to the house. And honestly, I just wanted to see it. To me, it was just, um, it was just, I mean, I've had some weird experiences working on the first edition of that book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really just wanted to see it because, to me, it was just a historical spot. I mean, it was like a cool place that I've been researching for years and years and I really wanted to see the inside. Mm. So I didn't expect anything out of it. So I'm standing outside talking to Dave's producer, Tom, who I'd known for quite a while because I'd done the show so many times. And we were standing out there talking, and Dave comes out, and he goes, Hey, man. He said, I know you were here. He said, Have you been inside yet? And I said, No, I just got here a few minutes ago. I've been talking to Tom. He said, Well, come on. Let's go inside before we get started. Mm-hmm. And so Dave and I went inside, and he goes, Have you have you been in here before? And I said, No. I said, You know, I mean, I know where everything is just from the layout of all the research, but I don't, I've never actually seen it. Mm-hmm. He said, Well, man, let's go upstairs. Let's go upstairs. So we went up to the top of the stairs, and he said... This is the room, this is the room, he said, but it's been, they're like remodeling. And so it's completely empty, it's stripped down to the floor. I mm. mean, it's nothing, it's a bare, empty room. And he said, but this is this is the room where it all happened. So mm. he said, I know you've done those interviews with Father Halloran, he said, and he said, this is, this is where it all happened. And I said, oh, okay, great. So Dave walked in and was standing in the middle of the room and he's talking to me and I got to the doorway and... And like Lisa said, I'm not sensitive at all, but I could not walk across that that threshold. I just mm-hmm. could not walk in. I was just standing there. Mm-hmm. So Dave keeps talking, and then finally he goes, are you going to come in here? And I'm like, I can't. And he goes, what, hell, what? And I said, I can't make myself get over here. He literally came over took hold of my hand and pulled me into the room and 
you literally could see the hair on my arms was just standing straight. I mean, covered in goosebumps. And I'm not, and I, I honestly, and if I had gone into it thinking, oh, well, this is going to be weird. This is going to be weird. But I really went into it with, I just want to see this room. I don't, there's nothing here. I don't know why there would be anything here. But I honestly, and then after everything that happened that night, I really think there's something like a lingering presence of some sort in that room. Mm. Because we had three contestants, not eight contestants, like contest winners who were supposed to stay the entire night in the room. Or they were supposed to stay an hour in the room where the exorcism had taken place. And they brought them there in a van blindfolded. They had no idea where they were coming. They had no idea what was going on. Wow. So when when they got to the house... They brought them inside, put them in the living room, turned on the TV with a scene from The Exorcist of The Exorcist. Oh, that's just mean. Yeah, and said to them, maybe you figure this out by now, but this you are in the house with a real exorcism that was the basis of this movie took place in 1949. And, um, you know, this is where you're going to be spending the night. And one of the girls said, um, no, I'm not. And she says, I'm done. <laughs> and she left. She literally left. They had to drive her back. So the other two stayed. It was a guy and a girl. The guy lasted 10 minutes in the room. And he said he could hear something moving. Now, see, there was no one in the house. house was completely empty. They were wired up. We could hear them over the... It was all recorded. It's not... They play it like it's live, but it was all recorded. We were all in the garage, which is a detached garage in the back. And the guy was in there. We could hear everything. And he kept going, there's something moving in here. There's something moving. There's somebody in this room. And and he kept saying it. He kept saying it. And finally he goes, okay, you know what? I'm done. And he left. Ten minutes. Mm. The the other girl. The Where girl was, was she at that point? She was, at that point, she was outside in the van. Okay. Because they didn't want her to hear anything. Okay. So they put her in the van. So then they took him out. He was in the garage with us. They put the girl in the room. And we could hear everything over the speakers in the garage. She made it seriously a minute and a half. (gasps) She was sitting in there and you could hear, we could hear it over the speaker. We could hear something moving, like sliding across the floor. Mm. And she's in there saying the Lord's Prayer. I'm not, I've got the record, I've got a copy of the recording. You could hear her saying the Lord's Prayer. And then she starts screaming. And I mean, she was screaming that I don't, I can't believe the neighbors didn't call the police. I mean, this was blood curdling screams to the point that, no, Dave did. Dave was outside. He was out in front and Tom left the garage. Dave went in the front and they ran inside to to get this girl to turn on some lights and get her. She was a total wreck. Oh, and, um, ever since then with the, with the feeling I had, and their reactions, I really think there's something in that house. Mm-hmm. And I never would have thought there was. Above a, a jewelry store, and back in the thir- late 20s, early 30s, it was a speakeasy. Mm-hmm. And it was. I mean, it was. My, my grandfather confirmed that it, it had been. And it was upstairs, and it was next to a sporting goods store on the second floor of, on Prairie Street in downtown Decatur. And you, it literally had the, you had to knock on the door to the password to get inside. Fun. And um, 
this place really was haunted. I mean, we had a lot of activity there. <laughs> and the guy who owned the jewelry store had actually called me and asked me to come in because they had just recently opened up that area. We're going to use it for storage. And then they had opened up the panel in the wall and real found this room on the other side. And the room still had all the card tables in it because um, they had done a lot of gambling in there. Um, there had been a roulette wheel and all kinds of stuff. And the walls of the <laughs> entire room were completely plastered with <laughs> clipped out like pinup girls from the oh, 20s wow. and 30s. I mean, completely nice. just covering the walls. That um, is cool. And I've got tons of pictures that I took of them. There were times that I, yeah, I mean, they were, they were some, I mean, and they weren't, well, they weren't nude. None of them were nude, but they were risque for the time, right? Uh-huh. So there had been times we had been there and they let me, gave me keys to come in a side door above a jewelry store, but obviously we couldn't go down the jewelry store. Mm-hmm. They gave us keys to get in a side door and let us investigate anytime we wanted to. Nice. And so we had gone up, there had been times we'd go up there and be doing something and would leave and go get dinner and come back. One night we came back and there were on one of the tables there were old playing cards laid out like in a, like five of them on a like somebody played a hand and left them on the table and they had not been there before. I had them for the longest time and I moved to Alton. I've moved like six times since then, so I don't know whatever happened to them. But unfortunately, I lost them. But um, one night we were in there and we were doing an investigation. Oh, is that Joe? Yeah, with the trap. Oh, yeah. You know what? He may have come in over on that side. So, anyway, we were up there doing an investigation one night, and we were sitting around the table, and it was really quiet, and we were recording everything. Mm-hmm. And I had said, you know, is is anyone here? Is there is there anyone? Is there anyone present? You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And at one point on the tape, you hear a voice go, just like that. Mm-hmm. So I got so excited about this answer to the question that was on tape. You know, I had, re- I, I, I put it on, I dubbed it on it, and I played it for like, Hello. we'd have like groups, I'd speak somewhere, and I would talk about the the speakeasy, and I would talk about this, you know, this 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 seance we had up there, and here was this, this voice oh, yeah? that cool. says hello, and uh, after like the fourth time, one of the guys who'd been with me up there goes, Troy, I need to talk to you. Oh. And I said, uh, okay. And he said, you know that that recording you've been playing? And I said, yeah. He goes, man, he said, um, before we went up there that night for the investigation, um, his wife and I, his, he and his wife had gone and had chili. It, oh. was, it was his stomach. <laughs> and he was sitting near the microphone, and it was his stomach oh. that had made that noise. Oh, Oh my God! Yes. Oh no! How did we? I didn't even put those out. You told me to carry them in. I carried them in. I know you did. You guys got anything left to eat? I'm about to starve. I think there are hot dogs left. I was going to have another hot dog. Here's the hot dog. That'll work. Just anything. It's just white here. I know they have hot dogs. Thank you so much for spending my birthday with me. Join me next time when we'll explore haunted asylums, sanitariums, and prisons. Keep your flashlights handy, because we'll be going Lights Out. Thank you, Sylvia Schultz, for another episode of Lights Out. And that will be our show for the evening, Children of the Night. I'll be retiring to bed to rest up this shoulder, but you'll find us here again next week for another episode of 
tales to terrify. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.